Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Happy Sunday morning and welcome to the college football playoff rankings live show right here on Twitter Periscope along with SiriusXM college football analyst Ryan Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkin. We're delighted to be with you on a beautiful Sunday morning no matter how you're watching or where you're watching all of us here in association with the Lee Podcasting Network. Appreciate you making us a part of your Sunday morning plans. Ryan, you had a great week guessing the lines in college football, my friend. You've been active all season long, and today the pinnacle of what a lot of people have been waiting for, the college football playoff rankings, the final ones before we find out the top four teams. How are you feeling? What are you looking forward to to, to today with this show? Well, I expect uh, I expect the committee to be the committee and uh, set a dangerous precedent by, A, not expanding this year because – how are you honestly going to put a, a six-win team in there when you're comparing them against uh, a 10-win a team or 11-win team? It, you, you just can't do it. There's too much inequality and ambiguity, and the committee has been so rigid about everything they've done this year that I, I really believe that they're going to lose all their credibility. Now, I'm saying that as an analyst, but most people who – take in college football are going to be up in arms for about a couple hours after the release happens or maybe a day and then they're going to get a couple semifinals and they're most likely going to get the national championship we all thought and that's clemson alabama and a rightful national championship champion will be crowned and everybody will go on their way but uh i I think it's set a dangerous precedent i mean it's hyperbole don't get me wrong but what's to stop ohio state or clemson or anybody else go you know what, Big Ten, you, you just don't do it for me, all right? You don't help me out. I could end up going to Iowa or Purdue late in the year and lose by 29 or 31 and lose a chance to go to the college football playoff when you've already told me that four games is good enough for you to put me in the top four. I was four and all this year, and you said I was in the top four. So we're only going to play six games next year. You guys go play your 10, 11, 12. Do the Florida LSU thing. Take that chance. Um, I know it's out there, but it, that's what they're really telling us. So in a pandemic season, it was necessary. Even though you probably know who the best two teams in the country are, and I think we all saw them yesterday, you needed to expand it this year. And you needed to make it eight teams simply to have a plan. Now, I know a lot of people say you will add more games. Well, it's one more game for the eventual national champions. And you have all these bowl opportunities now because people are opting out like crazy. So it's a perfect opportunity to do the right thing committee and it would shock the world and it's not going to happen. But I would want to hear Gary Barta after they announce or Bill Hancock step up and go, our top eight are actually going to be the playoff this year. We decided it was the best interest. We didn't want to, we didn't want to harm the validity and the credibility of this college football playoff and what it's become. And that's what they're going to do today. They're going to do it. Because they're going to put Ohio State in. They're going to put Ohio State in with six wins. And they're going to play a team that's played 12 games or 11 games this year. So it's it's crazy stuff. Fun to watch. Crazy stuff. 
It's, I can, couldn't put it more eloquently than that. So when you look at the field here, and, and let's sort of go back. You opened up uh, that piece by talking about Alabama-Clemson in the championship. Now, up to this point, now up to yesterday, we'll say, the conversation, and by the way, folks, feel free to send in your questions. We have the ability to get to them, uh, this being a live show. So uh, that is one of the beautiful things about uh, what we're doing here. Feel free to send your questions on Periscope, um, and, and we may get to them as we roll along here. But going back to what you said, Ron, you open up Clemson, Alabama will likely be the championship. I don't think anybody's in disagreement with you, uh, except for maybe Ohio State fans, um, Notre Dame fans, and some AM fans that are praying that AM finds a way into the top four over one of those schools. Now, with that being said, Clemson looked pretty darn dominant against Notre yeah. Dame in that ACC. I mean, incredible and don't get me wrong Alabama they blew Florida out in the first half they let Florida get back in it Florida had an opportunity um and then obviously Alabama being the better team ended up coming away with the win is there some question now that maybe Alabama can be beaten by Clemson in that national championship if that is indeed the matchup I don't I don't think what we saw yesterday necessarily made me believe that to be true I think what Clemson did and I think who Clemson's been for the last, you know, what, five, eight years. Two years ago, I was covering it for Sirius XM, uh, the national championship in Santa Clara. And I, I just, I didn't think that Clemson had enough on the defensive side to break up that incredible offense led by Tua Tungvaluwa and those wide receivers and everything. And Brent Venables did. And when I talked to Coach Sweeney this week, he said that we have all the horses back. And... We're ready to go, and we're going to throw everything at Notre Dame. And boy, did they. Trevor Lawrence was definitely the difference. Travis Etienne running the football was the difference. And having the guys back on defense, James Skowski being back, Brent Venables having a game plan put together that could absolutely shut down. Now, Notre Dame didn't really make any mistakes. Ian Book was 21-28. to 28. You know, he was efficient, but they just were not able to make the big plays that they were able to make uh, in that game in South Bend. And – I think I think a Clemson Alabama national championship is going to be fire. It's going to be awesome, and I can't tell you right now which team would would win. And I bet you Vegas is going to probably have Alabama as a maybe a seven point favorite. But that that game's a pick 'em straight up in my mind, and I'm looking forward to that that showdown. Matt Nygaard on Periscope asked, "Do you think Texas A&M is deserving of getting into the top four, Ryan?" Yeah, I think I, if I had to if I had to pick four, I would definitely pick Alabama one, Clemson two, A uh, and M three, and Notre Dame four. I think their resumes this year. I don't believe uh, a Big Ten championship means the same this year um, because they didn't have to play the extra games. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Ohio State is going to be the team that gets in, and Notre Dame as well. Um, over Texas A&M, unfortunately. About five minutes away here from the final ranking release. Now let's step outside the top four here for a second. Iowa State lost to Oklahoma. Oregon beats USC. I don't think that USC was going to get in regardless of Fanda beating Oregon, even if it was a blowout. Um, for these two conferences, the Big Ten, or excuse me, the Pac-12 and the Big 12, what needs to happen, right? What needs to happen? If Iowa State or Oklahoma was a one-loss team, would that have been uh, more of a case to put them in over an Ohio State team that was six and zero with a, a Big Twelve or Big Ten championship, rather, and then for the Pac twelve moving forward from here in the future, another year, 
uh, of disappointment, another year of national perception, looking down upon the conference. What needs to happen within the Pac-12 to start flipping the script there as well? Well, the question is, you know, what what do we want from the Pac-12 conference? Do we want to be in the conversation for the national championship? I think we do. But to have that, you have to have a dominant elite team. And we just haven't had that since, you know, you know, since Oregon got a chance to play for the national championship. I, I would say that Washington sneaking in and getting their, you know, getting their barn doors blown off by Alabama wasn't necessarily a, a great thing. But I think it taught Chris Peterson on how he had to recruit. And I think he's done a better job. But I, I believe the Pac-12 is, from top to bottom, the most complete conference in that you have no idea who's going to win each and every week. You, you just don't. They're so competitive and fun to watch. And I like it. I do want to be in the national cha- championship conversation, though. And if that for that to happen, Oregon and what they've built in terms of recruiting and the brand has to continue and they can't have slip ups. They just can't, they can't slip up against Oregon state. They can't slip up at Arizona state late in the year. And when they get a chance, when the non-conference schedule comes out next year and what they have to do, I mean, they would have had a chance this year. They would have played Ohio state in week two this year. And that would have been a a huge shot in the arm for the PAC 12. If they were able to take down a a big 10 school and and a team that people thought were a national championship contender. So it's been one heck of a year. Um, and, Somehow, some way, now it wasn't without a lot of pains along the way. Here we are, right? From where we were with the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC starting prior to, you know, all the health guidelines coming out, Big 10 backed out, Pac-12 backed out, and then obviously they were able to get their seasons going. Uh, did this season go the way you expected? No. I mean, I mean, in terms of how it ended up, I think, you know, the cream rises to the top no matter what. I mean, you saw the game against... Northwestern yesterday for Ohio State, I made the point that, you know, Northwestern cannot make any mistakes and turn the ball over and win that game. Ohio State, because of the talent that they have, could have turned it over the whole all day long. And they pretty much did and still win the game. When they went up 13 to 10, it was midway through the third quarter. I stated on Twitter that I said, the game's over. Ohio State's Big Ten champions. And people jumped my ass about it because they were like, man, what a, and my, it was over. I, it's, they couldn't do anything. And I, and I also said, if, if Ryan Day doesn't turn around and hand the ball off to Trey Sermon every play until there's zeros on that scoreboard, he's insane. Justin Fields in the two biggest games this year was not, not, not good. And I, I don't know if he helped himself much at all in terms of his, of his draft stock. In fact, I wouldn't be, you know, I'd recommend he come back and play another year. Honestly, I don't think that will happen. You know, I, I, you know, if you get a chance to be a first round quarterback, the amount of money that there is and that what it changes your life. But I, I think it would benefit him to come back and play another year of college football because in the two biggest games, he was not, he was not a top tier quarterback in the country. And uh, that's not going to serve him well in the playoff uh, on January 1st. We're about a minute away here from the college football uh, release show being put up as NFL countdown wraps up here. Obviously, the rankings are going to be fluid. It's not going to be, oh, at nine o'clock here on the West Coast, it's all going to come out. So we still have a little bit more time here, Ryan. Um, Okay, here's here's two questions. Here's a fan question first, and then I'll get to mine. Should Michigan move on from Harbaugh? I don't don't think it's a Jim Harbaugh problem. I I think there's... 
I think there's something to be said about um, maybe the system, and he needs to look at maybe changing some things up. I don't, I don't think getting rid of Jim Harbaugh is going to do you any good because the amount of money you'd have to spend to get the equivalent in terms of what he can offer, I mean, he works his tail off, right? Uh, they have not been good since Lloyd Carr. They've been pretty darn good under or Jim Harbaugh. The problem is they haven't beat Ohio State. They haven't won the, the big rivalry matchups, Michigan State, Penn State, the likes of that. Their top 10 matchups have been bad. And then this year was just a debacle when, when they dominated a Minnesota team in week one. A lot of people kind of thought, I think Joe Cloud even said this might be uh, Jim Harbaugh's best Michigan team ever after that week. And I was like, whoa, hold your horses there a little bit. Um, I don't believe they move on from him. I think that uh, uh, he stays. He's got a, one year left on his contract. I know that. Um, and I think the athletic director him say, hey, this is what we want to put on the table. Let's see how it goes. And if it if it goes well early, we'll roll out that extension and make it a big deal. And I think that's the way it's going to look. But if he doesn't able to do it next year, there might be a put up, shut up year for, for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. To that point, if an NFL spot opens up, Harbaugh is going to inquire about it, right? Like you wouldn't put it past him to try and maybe – get out of the situation himself and go find a, a home back in the NFL. I don't think so. I, I he's a Michigan man. I, he's one of the most, he's the most competitive person I've ever met. Like when he was, he was my backup quarterback in San Diego and I've never met a more competitive person in my life. And we competed and we competed and we competed at everything. He wants to win there. He cannot walk away from that job. Having not beat Ohio state. That is, he may not get the opportunity because he may be, Showing the door if they're ain't able to get it done a year from now, but he's not going to leave that job uh, without without beating Ohio State. I I, I guarantee it on his own on his own accord. All right, really quickly here as we are greeted by the lovely face of Reese Davis who joins your Sirius XM show every Tuesday or has for the previous uh, rankings release with you and and Jason Horowitz out there on ESPNU. Before we get to what is about to be presented to us on ESPN for the ranking releases. Um, you mentioned Justin Fields, probably, eh, not probably, but may have heard his draft stock. You'd recommend he come back for another year. But, you know, on the flip side, four quarterbacks or four players in general, because there's been some conversations about maybe the Heisman isn't a quarterback this year. Who's your Heisman? And then obviously the conversation surrounding uh, the Heisman being a quarterback award. It's become a quarterback award. And I think that's been shouted louder this year. So I think the voters may have heard that. Um, Peyton Manning deserved it my year. He, it was like, it should have been a cumulative award, what he had done and coming back and he won an SEC championship. But I think there was Peyton fatigue and there was this brand new shiny object in Charles Woodson and what he did on offense and defense and special teams, all of it together. And they were a really good football. They were undefeated and they were going to play us for the national championship in the Rose Bowl. And the voters, you know, Gave a defensive player, the only defensive player ever to win the Heisman, the, the Heisman that year. And I, I think that I love what Dabo Sweeney said yesterday. I think there's some Trevor Lawrence fatigue. He's the best player in college football. How If he's not the best player in college football, how is he not the Heisman Trophy winner? Because it's a stats award. I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Smith gets it, though there are three Alabama players that are every bit as um, – every bit um, – warranted to, to have that award and that may get split up if i'm giving the award if i had a vote 
my vote would be for Trevor Lawrence uh, this year. I think he's he is far and away the the greatest one of the greatest college football players ever played. And if his name's not associated with the Heisman Trophy, when it's all said and done, that would be uh, a disappointment by the by the, the Heisman Trophy uh, presentation crew. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think that that point will be made emphatically um, in the college football playoff when Clemson does indeed uh, solidify their spot. All right, right, right now we are looking at um, the various championships from the Power Five. Of course, our guy, as just mentioned, Trevor Lawrence, running it in for one of his rushing touchdowns last night in that Clemson Notre Dame 34 10 uh, win. So, really quickly on that game, Ryan, I know we alluded to it earlier how Clemson dominated, but are you surprised, right? We've been sort of on the, the Clemson's defense, or Notre Dame, excuse me, defense has been very good. Ian Book has been a dark horse Heisman candidate this entire season. Are you surprised that they only put up 10 against Clemson last night? That, that was the game I expected in South Bend, even with Trevor being out. I didn't realize how much of the defense was out that night and how much it affected them. But they had them all back. That's the kind of defensive effort um, that we're used to seeing from Clemson. And so, it, no, that didn't surprise me as much when I saw it play out. What I was surprised um, – that they weren't that they they just Ian Book and that team weren't able to generate points offensively because I thought that's who they'd become this year. They had become a team that could generate points offensively, and they just they didn't have an answer. And uh, and and Clemson, who doggy, they came to play. That they did. All right. So as uh, we see the the sort of the circle here of ESPN analysts, they're discussing uh, what will eventually be the the final rankings here. You you mentioned in our in our podcast, Ryan and I host the Believe in Pac-12 podcast. Everybody, go uh, go ahead and give that a rate, review, and subscribe when you have an opportunity. Great, great year. Uh, Pac-12 was very interesting. Obviously, no team will be in the college football playoff, but that's because there's some fluidity in this conference, as Ryan alluded to earlier. No one dominant team. Of course, USC losing to an Oregon team in the Pac-12 championship, and that uh, sort of pulled everything out for the Pac-12. But... Um, you talk about how you're surprised that the committee was even meeting in person and they, they showed the committee earlier, you know, their social distance, they have their masks. How would you, now the fact that we're playing college football in a pandemic aside, how would you have done this process differently given the circumstances that we've been put through throughout this season? Well, I wouldn't have met in person with elderly <laughs> people uh, for one. Their excuse was they're asking the players to travel all over the country to play. The least they can do is travel. Please don't compare what you're doing to what the players sacrificed and gave up and did um, this year. There was a, a entitlement or an elitism from this committee this year that is very bothersome to me. That was a problem. Until we really had pressure from two of the bigger coaches and probably two of the coaches that are going to be in the semifinals and Dabble Sweeney and Brian Kelly this week talk about it's asinine to fly all the way across the country to play in an empty stadium simply because it's the historic Rose Bowl and our families can't be there. Now, Brian Kelly took it a step too far by lying. I mean, the reason you played the season was to play for the national championship. You're telling me you're going to boycott it now. We're just going to go to, you know, we're going to go have a, a sit together around the campfire and not go to Pasadena. It, it was going to get changed. It had to. Um, I'm glad the committee made that change. 
It shows that they're able to be open-minded and make decisions like this. So I'd like to see the I'd like to see the right decision made here too. I'd like to see them stay at home and do this virtually because, you know, what we're doing right now, we're we're not in the same room and we're having the same you know constructive conversation about the college football <laughs> playoff. Easily could could have been done that way and not put people in harm's way, um, but they didn't. And so I think it bears fruit that they'll do exactly what they want to in this process. And they're going to put four teams in and one of them is going to be a team that only played six games. Keep sending us those questions, folks. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in here to the college football rankings reveal live reaction show on a Sunday morning, Sirius XM college football analyst, Ryan leaf, giving us his full reactions here. And by the way, you mentioned that, I mean, you're looking, if you're watching it right now, they have a try box of three people who are not in the same room doing exactly what we're doing. And to your point, why can't the committee do the same? All right, really quickly, you talk about how, um, you know, Brian Kelly said, oh, if our families can't be there, what's, we're not going to play in a college football playoff. That was obviously hyperbolic. Um, with that being said, the Rose Bowl has been moved to Dallas, a move that you you and I talked about, not to Dallas specifically, but whether or not there was even going to be a Rose Bowl in Pasadena at all this year. Um, before I ask you about that decision itself, is there going to be, I mean, now USC, Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, all have backed out of, of bowl games, which leaves Oregon as the potential Rose Bowl representative from the Pac-12. If Oregon does not back out from a bowl game, is there even going to be a Rose Bowl bowl game to be played this year? I, I mean, I don't see why they, they wouldn't, just because the, you know, the semifinal got moved. I always thought that no matter what, when they had placed it in the Rose Bowl year for a semifinal, that there still should be a, a you know, a traditional Rose Bowl between a Pac-12 and Big Ten school. So I'd love to see Oregon, Indiana. I think that would be a, a great matchup. Um, uh, unfortunately, the quarterback for Indiana is out for a season-ending season injury, but, uh, you know, they still looked great against Wisconsin and got it done uh, to take themselves to a place where they only lost one game. I understand that the Pac-12 right now, I think, only has two teams that are have, have not said they're they're opting out of a bowl game, and that is Oregon and Colorado right now. And that could change, uh, of course, if the players simply say, "Hey, you know, we're just so tired of this. We want to be with our families. We want to try to get back to normal." Um, I would fully understand that for sure. You alluded to. Uh to that really tough Michael Penix injury towards ACL. Saw a picture of him the other day, looking like he's in good spirits. He says he's going to obviously work hard to get back better than ever. And this Indiana team, uh, this Indiana team is the real deal. We'll see how they uh, build off of what was a, a pretty successful season, I would say, for a team that not a lot of people thought would even be ranked in the top 25, much less the top 10. Um, and having an opportunity at the end of that game to maybe come back and at least tie the game against Ohio State. Who knows what would happen after that point. But um, regardless... All right, so uh, yeah, we're still rolling along here. The college football rankings live reaction show here on Twitter Periscope. Um, so Ryan, as we <laughs> is this a, little, a plug? It's a little plug, a little diamondized <laughs> ISO one hundred clear. It's really so, good. Twenty five grams of protein, everybody. I mean, you're you're looking great. Is this part of your routine now? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just had a cup of black coffee that I just completely down. You know, I've never had a you know I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. Really. Yeah. Oh, I'm a full on caffeine addict. That's I, we need yeah. to trade. It's really bad. I'm trying to work my way off of it. Apparently these caffeine pills are really good. I don't know. Anyways. Um, 
Get on the Ryan Leaf, the Ryan Leaf plan. He looks great, folks, doesn't he? Um, almost as good as Jesse Palmer's hair is looking right now. Um, keep sending us those questions as we roll along here. The, we're about to get the the top four, I believe, is Reese Davis is uh, bringing us back in from Columbus, South Carolina. Of the four programs that we expect to be in Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, uh, which one do you think is you know, we sort of look at the history. We sort of look at tradition. Alabama, obviously, is the most blue blood of those four schools. But up to this point in the near future, or in the near past, I should say, recency bias tells us Clemson is one of the, you know, Dabble sort of instilled a, a rich tradition there with the inability to to bring in transfers. And if you're there, you're there. I mean, um, and, and sort of the approach that he takes with his players. But of those four programs, I mean, for you, if you're a senior and, and you're a highly touted recruit, where Let's just say, like, you had the option to start at one of these four programs. Where would you go? I don't think you. I don't think you miss by going to any of them. I think uh, they're the four best teams year in year out. And then all of a sudden, you throw in a one-off year with LSU, a one-off year, or you know, with Oklahoma. Um, you know, Alabama and Clemson are the cream of the crop. Dabo Sweeney and uh, Nick Saban aren't going anywhere. They're going to be there. They have a plan in place. They have arguably the best coordinators in the business. Um, I mean, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, I, I, I want a head coaching job again, but you don't have to do anything, but just do your offense. You get paid two and a half million dollars to do it. Same with Brett Venables. You get the, the great greatest players in the country and you get to scheme up this unbelievable defense and you get paid two and a half million dollars to, to do that. You don't have to talk to the media. You don't have to, you don't have to be out in the forefront. Right. I mean, it depends on what kind of ambitions you have. Brent Venables, I, I see staying a defensive coordinator and never leaving there. Steve Sarkeesian could be a different story. But what Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney have put together, unbelievable. Speaking of Steve Sarkeesian, that Auburn job still hasn't been filled. Um, by the way, it really looks like Brett Brennan. I mean, you were you're right. Like, get Brett Brennan and Joe Salve at Arizona. That seems to be the, the conversations that's happening down there. But at Auburn, obviously a more nationally recognized job, a more touted job. Now, I, I would say that the first few years at Auburn, you're probably going to be in the middle of the pack at the SEC at best right now. But with that being said, is Sarkeesian... They're not going to allow that. They're not going to allow that to happen. So, so what's so what's the leash on the new coach then? If, if you don't I, get... If you're, I, I don't know what you do there. I mean, you, it's it's a great job because you get paid a ton of money and you get to coach football. But you're in the same state with Nick Saban in Alabama. You know the guy that the guy that had beat him three times more than anybody. You let walk out the door with a bag full of money. So I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know if they really thought about this. They're talking about the steel. I've never even heard of the steel guy and, and I follow college football. So I should, I probably should, but it's not a, it's not a name that like, apparently it's going to make some of the big time donors at Auburn happy. If this guy gets the job, they believe in him. So I don't know, you know, Bo Nix hasn't been the answer. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a hard job. I was, I was you know, talking about Mario Cristobal, you know, he, he's going to be the highest paid coach in the Pac-12 ultimately through the end of this contract, but it's still about two and a half million dollars less than what he would have got if he went to Auburn. And, you know, because those contracts are guaranteed, people. You can go there and lose for two years and get fired and get paid for the rest of the three. So I, I know that's not what coaches want to do, but 
Two and a half million dollars is a lot of money. It's a lot oh, of yeah. money. You mentioned Mario Cristobal's contract re-signing with the Oregon Ducks. Uh, six years, twenty-six and a half or twenty-seven and a half million dollars. Uh, obviously, incentives. The contract goes up to the point where he will eventually be uh, the highest-paid coach in the Pac-12, which is ironic because he's not going to get more than six million dollars at the end of that. When Gus Malzahn, who was just fired from Auburn, was getting paid eight point two million dollars um, in, in the, during his entire career at Auburn. So obviously, SEC versus Pac-12, all the different. Uh, I suspect. I really suspect. I really suspect it's it's going to be Hugh Freeze when it's all said and done. I really do. You bring in the guy that's that is the most problematic for Nick Saban in Alabama. Who is that? Who's the guy that found a way to get it done and beat him? Now there were some recruiting issues there at Mississippi that uh, ultimately cost him his his job and uh, and and sanctions because of the recruiting. But they found ways to get it done, and they did it with a quarterback by the name of Bo Wallace, where they beat Nick Saban twice. Okay, and that's what Auburn wants. They want to beat Alabama. And they want to have a chance uh, at playing for a national championship. Again, the two guys that got them a national championship and to a national championship, they let walk out the door. They fired them and sent them packing with a bunch of money. So I don't really know what they're doing down there. It's uh, I'd keep the guys that do that for you, but I guess they expect. I think it's the one program in the country that expectations are so delusional you know, they, they think they're Alabama. They're not Alabama. They're Auburn. And that's good enough. It's okay. We might have to go to therapy for this. All right. So <laughs> Auburn fans, this may be tough to hear, but the truth could hurt sometimes. So I would take this to heart and, and you know, get over your grieving period and be okay with it. By the way, you mentioned Kevin Steele, defensive coordinator at Auburn. He was hired back in 2016 or prior to the 2016 season. There were some rumors going around that the boosters at Auburn were basically keeping Gus Malzahn around just because they wanted to work Kevin Steele in as head coach. But a lot of fans don't want Kevin Steele as head coach because Auburn's defense just hasn't been as good as it should be in the SEC. Now, ironically, the SEC has always been built on the idea that defense wins championships. And then you go and you look at the season and you go and you look at the SEC championship last night with Florida and Alabama. That was certainly not the case. There was not a lot of defense in either of those games. Um, is, is, is the paradigm shifting in the SEC? Are we going to see more offensive heavy teams? I think we, I think that's, you know, when you get Nick Saban staying up, you know, standing up and saying during the year, like, you know, you know, I'm, I, I figured out what, you know, defense doesn't win championships anymore. Offenses do, does. And that's why he's recruited the way he's recruited and hired the, the offensive coordinators that he has, because he knows that's, that's the way you're going to win national championships. Now, if you have a defense, he understood in that game that they've been a really good defense since Ole Miss where they didn't match up well against the likes of Elijah Moore and, and some of those players for for uh, the Rebels. And he knew it last night. He knew Kyle Pitts and Tony were problems for matchups. And they were. They got open. And they were a problem for them uh, defensively. But I, I don't foresee uh, a Notre Dame team or an Ohio State team to, to be a huge problem for them defensively now Clemson's another story Clemson does everything Clemson runs the ball well and Clemson has some very very talented receivers from the young freshman in Williams to the senior in Amari Rogers 
we are watching an interview now with Jimbo Fisher on uh, ESPN as they are once again. This is what they do, guys. It's a lot of fluff. And then <laughs> the moment you've finally been waiting for comes about 15 minutes later, lasts all about five minutes. And then uh, you're watching uh, a Sunday slate of football, which, by the way, we will cap off the show. Every, every Sunday, Ryan gives us uh, his picks. So we'll make sure we get you out of here with Ryan Leaf's picks uh, for the NFL game. But prior to all of that, we just saw a comparison of the strength of schedules between Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Cincinnati. I mean, is this after Cincinnati doesn't get in? Coastal Carolina was undefeated. Now, obviously, San Jose State was undefeated. Good for them. Congratulations, Brett Brennan, for turning around that program. They were never in the conversation to begin with. Coastal was never in the conversation to begin with. But they're undefeated football teams. Um, they should be. Does the, how, does the, how does the group of five approach the upcoming season, right? Are is, are they just going to consistently be okay being left out of of the party, not getting the invitation? What's the conversation going to look like with those teams? They have to accept it. Um, they have to kind of surrender the fight and accept that they're not getting in because Cincinnati's their best chance this year, and they continuously move back. They're not going to out of nowhere move up four spots, five spots, and get into the top five or top four this week. So. Uh, those commissioners of the group of five need to come together and say, if the NCAA is not going to help out here or some sort of college football playoff entity in their own, isn't going to help out. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to make a college football playoff. Uh, we are not going to take bull bids. Um, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to set our own playoff. And I think it will be so entertaining. And so good. I mean, this year you would have the likes of like my top 10 has three group of five teams in it. I have Cincinnati at six, I have Coastal Carolina at eight, and I have Louisiana at, at, at 10. You bring BYU into the mix, and now that, imagine that four-team playoff in a group of five, Cincinnati, uh, Coastal, Louisiana, and BYU. You know, maybe what should have been a, a Sun Belt championship would have knocked one of those teams out, and maybe, you know, you throw another team in there from the, from the group of five, San, San Jose State. Um, gets the call from the Mountain West, right? That's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch those games. I mean, what was the most entertaining game other than Clemson, Notre Dame, and South Bend this year? BYU Coastal, right? Yep. It was the greatest game. It was put together in 36 hours. So if I'm them, if I'm the commissioners of those uh group of five uh conferences, I'm putting this together and I'm telling Bill Hancock and those guys to get, you know, you know, you know, you know, go find a find a a river to piss in or something like that. I don't know. You know, it's, they're not going to be a part of it. They're just not. So uh, let's, let's get them a, get them a chance to make it something special. Our maybe we get, you... maybe we get diamatized to, to sponsor the group <laughs> of five. Sponsor. Yeah. Hey, the group of five diamatized championship. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think that's a very, very good idea. Ryan, it's you're very trying, good. It's very good product, by the way. Everybody, you plug yourself as the official spokesperson for diamatized. Aren't you? Is that what this is? Mm -hmm. Do you need me to go clip this and send this to their PR reps? Of course, yes. That's what you're supposed to do. Yes, you're the producer. You're the producer here. So make that money in a pandemic. Come on, figure it out. That's a champions find a way. Um, as we keep rolling here, uh, we're hitting the commercial break. When we get back, now they keep alluding to the the, the final four will finally been released for 22 minutes into the show. So we'll see if they do finally, indeed. And I think they will because they're they're coming up here on the NFL competition, um, on ESPN. When you Actually, I just lost my train of thought with this question. Okay, let's keep moving. Send us your questions, folks, um, on Periscope. 
on Twitter. It's been really fun, uh, really good viewership up to this point. We appreciate it. Also, all this audio will be uploaded live for playback uh, on Believe Podcast Network, on Believe in the Pac-12, which is the the uh, the podcast that Ryan and I host. Uh, we will be doing a Pac-12 roundup show early this week to sort of solidify the rest of the season. And if there is indeed uh, an Oregon team that decides to go and play in a bowl game, uh, maybe we'll do a little recap of that later on as well. So the Pac-12, no, they're not going to get a team in. The Big 12, we know they're not going to get a team in. It's going to be uh, likely as they displayed the beautiful trophy for us here and they bring us back into the studios out in Bristol. Um, it's probably going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Not in that necessarily in that order. Uh, what happens if there's a Notre Dame Clemson championship when we get round three of these two teams, Ryan? Well, I don't I don't think the committee's gonna do that. I think if Notre Dame gets in, it will be at four. Um because if if they if they don't get in at four, you know, they're not gonna be three. They're gonna they're gonna be out of it. And you're gonna have A and M. Uh, most likely in it at four and we get an Alabama A&M re rematch. Now I think it, it would be a better game than it was back early in the season, but it's not, it's something we've seen, you know, it's, it's Alabama's, you know, a 28 point um, favorite against A&M. So I, I don't, I don't want to see that necessarily. I'd like to see Alabama Notre Dame and I'd like to see um, Clemson Texas A&M. That's the, that's the matchups that I, if I were a committee member, that those are the four teams I'd put in this year. Looks like they're about to finally set us up for the big reveal. So you've been in the room, Ron. You've been into the room in the mock discussing the college football playoff. You've seen the process. You've seen, you know, sort of, oh, actually, they're, they're releasing it. So let's just get into that right away. Uh, Alabama, the, the one seed, as we knew, 11-0 winning the SEC championship. Um, they blew A&M out earlier this year. They're closest game really was that SEC championship against Florida. Was there any doubt in your mind that Alabama wasn't going to win that game last night? When they, when they were kicking the onside kick. Yeah. I mean, if they, you know, anything can happen when you kick the, a football on the ground and let it roll around. So yeah, that, I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel like I was ever in doubt kind of like last year when LSU played Alabama, even though it kept getting close and close, I never thought for a moment that LSU was going to lose that game to Alabama. All right, Clemson coming in at number two. We pause here for a moment to watch uh, the Clemson football team and the live camera. So Clemson really, I mean, look, I think we knew it. I think it made sense for those two teams to be one and two because you want them to match up in the championship. Clemson, um, their one loss was that close overtime loss to Notre Dame in South Bend with backup quarterback DJ Uya Galele. Um, and, Dude, and that, wasn't, that, that wasn't the issue. You know, we everybody goes to that. It was, it was the defensive the defensive issues, that's for right. sure, for them. Uh, Ohio State coming in at three, so that makes sense. So we're going to have a Clemson-Ohio State It doesn't matchup. make sense. It's absolute. I meant for the context of, of this. We knew that they were going to put Ohio State in. We knew that they were going to put Ohio State yeah, in. Yeah, we did, but committee, you are, uh, you are frauds. You are frauds. <laughs> Credibility. What's I really enjoyed my time there in, in uh, at the Garland being on the mock committee last year, I will not, I will not be coming back and I will not send you, be sending you a Christmas card this year. I'm just <laughs> putting that out there. No Merry Christmas to the committee from Ryan Leaf this year. What's the spread nope. on that Clemson Ohio State game? Um, Clemson's probably 10 point, 10 point favorite. 
So now they're leaving us on edge. They they announce three and they get the pan out back to studio because we all have to sit here and twiddle our thumbs and look at the strength. All right, so 13th strength is scheduled for Notre Dame, 10th for AM, and 77th for Cincinnati. So because AM didn't get to the SEC championship and because they got blown out by Alabama, that's probably going to exclude them here from that fourth seed, right? Yeah, but but Notre Dame's not a, a, a conference champion either, and they got blown out by 24. But to what people consider the second team in the country versus the first team. I, what What is the dynamics here? I The fact that Notre Dame had the, the biggest win of the year against the number one um, Tigers of Clemson early in the year or mid-year and were undefeated up until yesterday, I think is going to be enough. I said before the games were even played yesterday that Alabama, uh, Notre Dame, and Ohio State were all in. Uh, um, well, Notre Dame and Alabama were in regardless if they would have won or lost their games. Now, I did say if Notre Dame got beat 63-7, to it might be a different story. And it, it kind of looked like that for a little while. But Clemson didn't really push, push the accelerator down too much after they got up like 24-3. to So um, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if A&M got in. I, I really, really, really would. But I, I wouldn't be upset either. Um, the Ohio State thing for me is just, it's a, that's just a sham. They played six games. You know what? We don't know what would happen. We don't know what you don't know. You can't make a, an educated decision with that. Are we going to see a team use that as an excuse? Are we going to see a team next year only schedule six games with the idea that if they have a, the 6-0 record at conference championship and maybe a top 25 win, that's convincing that they could get into the college football playoff? I don't think so, but I mean, it's just, it's fun to say right now because it's, it's, it's really the truth. You could, you could do it. I and mean, there it is. Sorry, Notre Dame, the fourth seed. Yeah. That didn't change the whole time from the first college football playoff rankings to the last one. The four teams, four teams stayed the same. What was the point in playing the games, people? Why did we play them? No need. Next year. I'm going to put a rankings out in the first week. And if the committee believes in what I believe in, which I think is, is what they should, you know, we'll just, we'll just play those. We'll play two games next year. We'll play the two semifinals and the national championship and everybody else can just take another year, get healthy, you know, make sure the COVID is out completely everywhere, people. Uh, and we'll play uh, probably the four, four same teams a year from now. What's the point of having the two out in the show? Why do they wait, make us wait for a five and six thing? Like, don't you think that most people are probably moving over to Red Zone at this point or to like the NFL Network pregame show for the NFL? Like, are people really sitting around to see who's five and six when it's not that important to this, the context of the show? Um, I don't know. Maybe they want to see if Cincinnati moved up to there and see, you know, how, how, look how close the group of five came to getting in this year. They got to all the way to number six. Oh, they're at five. They kicked <laughs> off Yeah. Exactly. Bearcats. Go Bearcats. Just shooting par for the course, Cincinnati. Um, man, that's tough. I mean, that's tough for the five and six. Like, you almost got there, but you just now. We could expect AM to be five. Uh, with Iowa State losing to Oklahoma, I mean, maybe Oklahoma is six. I don't know. Who would you put in that six spot? Um, watch, watch it be Georgia. It might be Oklahoma, <laughs> but watch it be Georgia. Just watch it be Georgia, because they've absolutely said, Georgia, you are, if you if you hadn't gotten absolutely trounced by the only two teams you played this year, you would be in the top 
four probably. Like if you would have lost by by less, just a little less, we may have put you in the top four, to be honest with you, over Notre Dame. And don't worry, we don't have an SEC bias if we put Georgia at Watch six. it be Florida. Watch Florida go from seven to six because the game was so close and be a three-loss right. three oh, team. They redeemed themselves against Alabama after getting after losing to a four and six LSU team. Actually, now a five and six LSU team because they beat Ole Miss yesterday and, and reclaimed that trophy. Actually, they kept the trophy. Um, man, I think LSU for me was one of the more disappointing teams this year uh, when it, when it was all said and done. But look, they didn't really have a quarterback up until the end. They of found time. one. They did. They found one. Yeah, you believe in Max Johnson? You think he's the future for that team? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That kid. You just wish he would have got a chance earlier in the year because he has been special. He turned it over one time. He beat what people considered to be the next best SEC team on their home turf with limited amount of players. Butte is going to be you know, 300 and some yards receiving yesterday. So, yeah, Maximilian. Maximilian Johnson. I played with his daddy. Oklahoma at six. Oh, God. Oklahoma at six. What is <laughs> Oklahoma goes from 10 to 6 by beating the sixth team in the country. They have two losses. So they have two losses against Kansas State and Iowa State, who the committee considers very, very good, and they got revenge. So when the committee considers you getting revenge, they almost remove that loss, actually. So really to them, this Oklahoma team is only a one-loss Big 12 champion, and that – of course, is better than a undefeated uh, Cincinnati team. That, yeah, it's ridiculous. You guys, you guys are so, you guys are really corrupt people. I'm just saying. <laughs> there's some uh, there's some hyperbole and sarcasm from this show today, but you're such a joke. Everybody's saying it. Everybody's saying it. That's the thing, you know. When people talk about it, I like to me. Everybody's saying it. That girl, that girl is, is a problem. Everybody's saying it. That guy is a problem. Everybody's saying it. Well, that committee is a problem. Everybody's saying it. And if you go on Twitter right now, I mean, my timeline is blowing up with every single college football analyst saying exactly what you said. We're not surprised. And then in their own various ways, and some of them work for employer ESPN, so they can't be as vocal about it, uh, subliminally calling up the committee um, for, for sort of doing what they're doing. All right, so we have the top six reveal the top four. It's going to be Alabama and Notre Dame on January 1st at 4 o'clock Eastern. And then at 5 o'clock Eastern, or excuse me, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific, we're going to have Clemson and Ohio State, AM and Oklahoma on the pinnacle, not quite making it. Sorry, Cincinnati. Sorry, Coastal Carolina. Um, and then, I guess, sorry, Georgia, because the committee gave you false hope for no reason. All right, really quickly here before we get to your lines to end this show on the NFL day, because uh, we have an interesting slate of NFL football with some college, uh, with some college, with some uh, playoff implications on the line. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame. Give us your score predictions. What do you think the line is going to open up? Um, and then the national championship as well. Uh, I expect that uh, if Clemson was a 10-point, 10.5-point favorite over uh, Notre Dame, I suspect Alabama is going to be probably 14 to 16-point favorite going into this, this game. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, I said might be double digits. They have all their talent and the game, way the game was played last year. Defensively, they were so much better for Ohio State a year ago. I'm going to say that Clemson's an eight-point favorite, eight to ten-point favorite in that game. And then uh, I suspect they dominate. I think both teams will dominate like they've shown they have. Uh, look very similar to two years ago. 
um, when they met for the national championship in Santa Clara. And, uh, and then it's going to be a pick em. Uh, Whoever has the right scheme and right game plan that day, uh, Davos Sweeney's been a problem for Nick Saban, the only other head coach. That would be the, that would be the Auburn hire that you need, Auburn, is Davos Sweeney, and you're not getting him. So um, I, I suspect uh, we'll see Alabama-Clemson once again, and it will be a great football game. Uh, I'm going to say Clemson wins the national championship again this year simply because um, I've drank the Kool-Aid. I just have. You know, I love them. I love the Clemson Tigers. If I, had, if I wasn't a Cougar, I would have wished I went to Clemson, South Carolina. I guess it's part of the feline animal. Yep. Uh, you know, so Family. I'm a cougar. I'm a tiger. All in. Trevor Lawrence uh, goes out on top, bookend national championships to his college career. He then heads off to the NFL and figures out a way not to end up with the New York Jets. <laughs> yeah, his agent's going to be making those calls right after. How do we, what can we do? We'll do anything not to end up on uh, what has been a disaster of an NFL franchise. All right, before we get you out of here, the, the rankings have been released. We are now set with the field of the top four, which is exactly what we all expected, regardless of Clemson being Notre Dame last night with uh, Alabama playing a close game in the SEC championship and only six games for Ohio State. Ryan, every week on your social media, you release your NFL picks what are your picks this week we're, we're only about 25 minutes away from a fun sunday of nfl football uh what should we be expecting and by the way for all those people fantasy implications i'm in my semifinal right now and i need a big game from Russell Wilson. <laughs> uh well I, I put them out on this week because there was so many games beforehand so i had the chargers plus three i got the win there i had the packers minus eight i got the push last night because of matt rule and that silly field goal instead of trying to go for a touchdown so i pushed that game but then the two i have today i have the dolphins minus three and i have the chiefs minus three versus the saints that's the first time the line's been that low for them in a while they have been a terrible cover team but i think they win by a field goal they're going to win the game so i i I don't think it's going to be by a point but if they screw me once again pat pat mahomes agent was my agent least timer we're gonna have some words if that continues to play out uh, Mr. MVP. Well, there you have it. Uh, enjoy NFL football, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed the college season, even though as it's been as predictable as we. Th- if you're an, if you're a Pac-12 fan, it wasn't as predictable Not. as we thought, yeah, it and fun. it was really fun. Uh, make sure you check out our podcast, Believe in the Pac-12, on the Believe Podcast Network. Big thanks to them. Make sure you check out Ryan all over the place. He's on SiriusXM. He's on ESPNU uh, five days a week. He's been hosting the Pac-12 on Pac-12 Radio as well on SiriusXM. Uh, he's been doing a phenomenal job all over the map on the college football scene. Uh, this audio will be posted uh, for play back on the believe podcast network we'll have it on believe uh in the pac 12 but obviously uh, a much more eclectic conversation than just the pac 12 we'll be back tomorrow or earlier this week to give you a a pac 12 roundup for the podcast as well i hope you enjoyed it everybody thank you so much for tuning in for college football analyst ryan leaf my name is jonathan rifkin thank you so much for taking the time on your sunday morning to stick with us for the college football rankings final live reaction show enjoy your sunday enjoy the rest of your week Enjoy some college football on cute MacGyver as well. Enjoy the send-off picture of Ryan and his his wonderful son, MacGyver. And uh, for my name is Jonathan Rifkin signing off. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.